This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Erica Polsonelli, and welcome to Evolve by Erica, the podcast, where we talk all things spirituality, ascension, health, wellness, and beyond. I'm so excited that you are here. Come on in. Hello guys, we have a guest named Steven today on the podcast. He is the creator and founder of Masa Chips. You've probably seen them on my story before and I was really interested in having him come on and talk more about seed oils because I feel like it's a very big conversation on social media and share his experience in what has guided him to create the company Masa and develop the chips that me and Vinny are really obsessed with and we feel really good about eating. So enjoy the episode and I will see you on the other side. I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. We met, for those listening, Stephen and I met through his incredible business. You guys reached out on Instagram and I do have, you know, I get DMs like that Mm -hmm. quite often, Mm -hmm. which I'm very grateful for, but only very rarely do I respond because I'm very particular about what I'm going to eat and Mm -hmm. put in my body. And when I saw your brand, I was like, okay, this is something I definitely want to respond to and definitely want to give a try for many reasons, which we'll get into. Um, But now my husband's also addicted and I have, whenever I post it on Instagram, so many people are like, I've been dying to try this or, oh my goodness, I love these chips. So tell us a little bit about you Mm -hmm. and about your business. Yeah, well, glad to hear hear you guys like them. Um, So for those that don't know, it's Masa Chips. Yeah. Seed oil free tortilla chips, fried in grass-fed beef tallow, made with organic corn and sea salt and no weird stuff. It sounds very simple, but it's basically the only thing out there that has that sort of ingredient profile. Everything else that you can buy in a bag, there's always something wrong with it, as I'm sure you're aware. You're, like You walk the aisles, look at the ingredient labels, and even if something seems like it would be good, there's always something. And so I was kind of fed up with that, and, and my background is not in food at all. Uh, I was a software engineer before this. And I worked in tech prior to starting uh, Ancient Crunch, which is our company. And I was just fed up with the fact that I couldn't buy food that was convenient and tasted good, but was also made with good ingredients. Like I was cooking for myself every single thing that I ate. And the re- how we got to Masa was I started making TikToks about all the health stuff that I was doing. And a lot of comments that I would get are from people who are saying, I don't have the time yeah. to go and cook everything from scratch and do all the things that you do. And that got me thinking that it's not simply the knowledge, like spreading the knowledge about, oh, you should eat this and not eat that. It's not that alone that's going to change people's lives. You need to actually make it easier for them to eat the right things. And part of that is they should be able to go to a grocery store and buy food that is good for them. And that's like, seems like such a low bar, but it's really, it's really hard to find anything like that. And so, uh, which is the disgrace. It is absolutely a disgrace, right? And that's another thing too, you know, People have health problems, struggle with their weight, they struggle with all sorts of issues. And you look back, you look at vintage photos and people do not seem to have the same health problems that people have today. Is it because they spent all day working out? Were they on Weight Watchers? You know, were they going crazy reading nutrition labels? Nutrition labels didn't even exist prior to like the 1990s. And yet people were healthy because the food they ate just happened to be actual food. And that was a big difference. And so when the food that's available is a real food, people are just gonna be healthy by accident almost. 
And so that's what I'm trying to create is a world in which people just get to be healthy by accident. You know, they go to the grocery store, the foods that are on the shelf just happen to be good for them yeah. and they don't have to think about it and it tastes good and everyone's happy. Yeah. It makes me so emotional because it's everybody's right to have access to that. And unfortunately, that's not the world we live in right now. Mm -hmm. And the healthy food is typically way more expensive. Mm -hmm. Like I have family members who will, they just know that my grocery bills are kind of out of control yeah. and I don't care because that's like, I rather have that than save for something designer. Mm -hmm. Like that is my first priority mm -hmm. because it's my health and my body. But I just think everyone has the right to that and should have the right mm -hmm. to that and should have access to it. Yeah. And you're, and you're making it up in other ways too. Not only do you not want to be sick and, and feel bad, there's an actual cost associated with it. Yeah. yeah especially when people yeah. get older, you know, all of the penny pinching on bad quality food is going to come back to bite them. And that's like a big shame. And it's, it's tough because people don't, want their grocery bills to go up. But at the same time, uh, in the 1950s, people spent about 30% on average of their income on food. And today it's closer to 11%. Oh. And so people spend a lot less money on food relative to the amount of money they make. And we obviously see the consequences of that. That's so interesting. What really got you started on this journey? I, so after freshman year of college, I was, I felt pretty sick. I, when I grew up, my mom's parents were Sicilian, and so she cooked, you know, she learned how to cook and cooked everything that I ate up until I went to college. And after a year of eating dining hall food, I was like, my health is in pretty rough condition because I never ate that much like processed garbage food before. And I found myself doing an internship in Belgium at this neuroscience lab associated with some university. And over there, they don't have dining halls, of course. And I was making like... They don't have what? Dining halls oh. at the universities. And I was making like... I don't know, 100 euros a week stipend like for my for my intern money and you can't go out to eat, you know, so I had to cook for myself. And when I had to cook, cook for myself for the first time, I started just learning about food. This is not something I'd ever paid attention to. You know, I never looked at ingredients or, you know, tried to figure out how what I ate affected how I felt. But as I started cooking, I was able to observe these connections like, oh, if I don't eat this, I'll feel better. Or if I do eat this, I'll feel better. And because of that, I was able to dramatically improve my health situation, and that taught me about the power of food. Lifestyle in general, but food in particular, right? You are what you eat. Yeah. That's super important. And from there, I just spent the, like that was about 10 years ago at this point, and from there I've spent the rest of, you know, most of my spare time learning about and optimizing that whole area of my life. And at some point, uh, I decided that, you know, I, I should stop annoying all my friends and family with all this stuff and start talking about it on the internet. And I started a TikTok account called Really Tan Man and started making videos about all this stuff. And then that led to my Instagram, then Twitter. And then that's the platform out of which I, you know, was able to launch Masa. What was the meaning behind Really Tan Man? I have a feeling I know. Uh, sunlight <laughs> is good for you. Seed oils are in particular make it harder to derive the benefits from the sun because you're getting sunburned all the time or it's much easier for you to get sunburned if you're eating a lot of them junk food in general but you know seed oils in particular as a category of ingredient really make it tough for you to to go out in the sun and not get the and not get sunburned and whatever so most of what i was talking about was like eat real food get out in the sun clean water clean air um all that kind of thing yeah i love the sun so much I just love it. And I know that there are, you know, some impacts that come along with that. But mm. for the most part, how it makes me feel, mm -hmm. I know that 
a lot of it is good for me, but it's yeah. moderation. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the other thing too. Even in some tribal setting or whatever, people would find shade in the hottest hours of the day or whatever. People are not yeah. in history are not getting 16 hours of uninterrupted sunlight. Right. So, I mean, even like today, if, if I'm going to, so we're going to go to, my wife and I are going to like Palm Beach over winter break. And so we're going to do a lot of tanning, obviously, but I'm going to wear a hat, you know, if I don't want my face to get too much sun on it, or we might not go out at 1 PM. We might go out at like 11 and then again at three or something. Yeah. The morning light is so important. Mm -hmm. Something that I've been really honoring and trying to get a lot of. Um, I think I grew up from (laughs) a family also, a lot of them are Italian and Mm. they love the sun. Mm -hmm. And their skin can take the sun. My skin isn't as, um, I don't know, it doesn't have as much melanin as theirs. But the most important hours were like the 12 o'clock hour. The sun's the strongest. Get it. Like this this is the mindset I grew up with. Oh, nice. So I had to like restructure. It's like, okay, yes, the sun is good for me. But yes, I need a moderation. And morning light has been really important Mm -hmm. to me. And sunset, watching the sunset is Mm -hmm. so important to me as well. The last time we were in the studio, actually... We had about four guests that day and we had to put the blinds down because the sun, we were like cooking in here. I tend to love that, but it was a little too much. So it was daylight savings, the first week of daylight savings. And we left here and I had no idea like what time it was. It was pitch black and I felt so out of alignment. My body literally went to shock because all day I look to the sun for Mm. information, for light information that I receive from it, but Mm. also for information like what time is it? What should my body be doing at this point? Am I winding down for the day? Mm. And just having a day indoors without windows, it like completely threw me off. Yeah, it makes you go crazy. Like we need we need our circadian rhythm to be tuned to the frequencies of nature. And it's so there's there's a lot in there uh, that we should we should address. First of all, the morning sun actually makes your body better able to absorb afternoon sun. So that's like a thing. If people are going to go tanning, make sure that you're getting out early in the day so that your body kind of gets primed. Or if you're not doing that, you know, red light therapy, I'm sure. Red light therapy actually like primes your skin to be able to absorb UV from the sun more effectively. And so it kind of shows how important it is to have the natural cycle of things. You don't just like get out there at noon, you know, and expect to be able to have that work out. And the other thing, when I went to Italy with my family, I was like in fifth grade and we go visit my Italian relatives and they're putting on like sun oil. It's not sunscreen. It's like the opposite. Yeah. (laughs) It it like magnifies the sunlight and it lets them tan more, which is, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, the, the whole daylight savings, like winter thing, obviously we're in New York and it's, uh, it's pretty tough in the winter because people after the invention of indoor lights, indoor heating and all that. People don't really live differently in the winter than they do in the summer or the spring. You still have your job. You still wake up in the morning and go to your office at nine, leave at five, do all the things that you would do. But if you think about people historically, they would take the winter to pretty much just chill, right? After all the crops are harvested in the fall, after all the hay has been baled or whatever, there's less work to do. And so you're going to be spending a lot less time actively working. And you're using that time to recover. Humans don't hibernate like bears, but we have something similar. At least we're supposed to. But modern life is not really set up to facilitate that. And then is it any wonder that people are getting a lot sicker in in the winter? Like, oh, flu season, whatever. Like, well, maybe there's a reason why. So true. 
I, I know it's such a privilege that I have the flexibility to access the daytime sunlight mm -hmm. with my job. I work for myself. I can create my own schedule for the most part. And I do not take it for granted that I'm able to get outside in the sun at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock because I know how much my body needs it. And mm -hmm. my overall health just is supported by that. Yeah. but And life for most people is not that, unfortunately. Yeah. It's really a shame. I know. I know. I wish that for everyone who wants it. So I know that the no seed oils in your product is like such an important piece mm -hmm. to your brands. What led you to uncover the harmful effects of seed oils? Mm -hmm. Can you share just your wisdom and knowledge on that with us? Sure. Yeah. So I had just by accident not really eaten seed oils for many years, ever since I became health aware. I would cook for myself and of course I would never buy canola oil to go put in food. But if I were to eat out, something might sneak in. You know, I might eat, uh, in fact, one of the, the last sort of seed oil foods that I ate before I fully got rid of them were, was tortilla chips. And that's part of the reason why when I had the opportunity to start this, I decided to go with tortilla chips just because I knew how, well, I mean, I like them, they're delicious. Yeah, they're but really they're also good. super helpful, right? Like if you're yeah. working and you don't have time and if you can make like nachos, right? Yeah. If you can get some ground beef and some cheese and you have tortilla chips, that's a meal right there. That's super helpful. And even if you have a salad or a soup, these are all the ways I'm eating them. Yeah, like yeah. I'm eating them with everything, truly. Yeah, they're so they're so versatile. Uh, but the reason why I guess I focused on seed oils all of a sudden is I, I forget where I first heard about it. This was definitely early in 2021. And obviously, as I mentioned, I hadn't really been eating them but I never really was actively avoiding them or ha had a ton of information about it. And I heard some, I forget which Instagram account was talking about it. And then I looked more into this thing and, and then I realized how big of a problem it was because my whole thing was tanning, right? And people yeah. are always saying, oh, I get sunburned, I get sunburned. And I'm like, but like, that doesn't make sense, right? Think about our ancestors. We would never have made it out of the trees, you know, as primates, if the sun were that toxic to us. And so there has to be something going on. And then I learned about like the specific means by which seed oils, like, like the specific things that seed oils do in the body and how that's connected to this, your skin health and sunlight. And then I realized that was like the big missing variable that people weren't really talking about. And that led me to focus more on that and the type of stuff that I talked about. And of course, as far as making food is concerned, I learned that that was like that was the type of thing. It's like seed oils are in twenty or twenty percent of all our calories. The average American, twenty percent of their calories come from seed oils, which is insane, right? That's a lot of calories. So this is this hidden variable that no one's talking about, whether it's keto or vegans or vegetarians. People aren't talking about seed oils specifically. They're in everything. They're in vegan food. They're in keto food. Yeah. They're even in paleo foods, mm -hmm. and yet people think they're following those things and they're being healthy. And so I decided to talk more about this because it's the sort of like unifying thing that affects everyone no matter what they're doing. And it's such an easy thing to avoid. Well, it's not convenient to avoid, but it's easy to avoid in the sense that like it's, they're very identifiable. And if you are able to you know, cook for yourself or find the right foods, you can cut them out and your life is actually better. Unlike certain other diets where, for example, gluten-free, if you were to go gluten-free, you're going to want to eat bread because bread's delicious. You know, most people think bread is delicious and most gluten-free breads don't really compare to actual bread, <laughs> right? And so if you're going to get on that diet, you're going to be fighting your own willpower. 
because you want to eat bread because it's yeah. delicious. But if you're avoiding seed oils, there's no willpower fighting. You know, seed oils don't taste yeah. good. No one wants to eat them. Yeah. They eat them because they have to or because by accident. Or they want the product that has it in it. Yeah, but yeah. they don't want the seed oils. Yeah. So it's like a great, as far as like starting, like creating a food product, it's great because it means my tortilla chips are more delicious than the conventional junk food tortilla chips. Yeah. And they're also much healthier, which very, which is true about very few other types of health products. Most healthy food alternatives that you can buy, you give up some uh, level of enjoyment in order to eat them. Yeah. They're definitely superior. They're extremely crunchy. I couldn't actually, I couldn't believe how like crunchy they are when I first tried them. Mm. And now I'm so used to it that I'm like, I, I can never have another tortilla chip yeah. other than this tortilla oh, chip. Other tortilla chips, and people think... Like there are people out there who eat like a Tostito and they like it. Yeah. And I'm just like, you just don't even know. No, what no, no, you chip can't is. compare. You can't compare. <laughs> can't compare. Yeah. No, I would get like a lot of the healthier ones from Trader Joe's, but now there's no going back. Yeah. Tell me more about the beef tallow. Mm -hmm. I was vegan for seven years. Oh boy. And the first animal product I ate other than eggs, was these chips with beef towel really? in it. Yes. Wow. Yes. I'm ha glad we could be a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> I heard good things about it. Everything's controversial. Like, ugh, mm -hmm. it's just, I mean, I have no idea if beef towel is, but I'm just saying like in the age of information, the times that we're living in, something can, you can look it up and it could be a superfood or you could look it up and it can be something that's yeah. going to harm your health. And it's all about, I'm really advocating for like doing what your body needs at this chapter in your life. And it's not a forever thing. Mm -hmm. It's just what you need. And I started to feel like really hungry after seven years of veganism. I just felt like, I think part of it, I will say part of it is because I don't cook enough. Mm -hmm. And I'm not getting creative in the kitchen. I think that if I did, I would I would have felt more supported in that way. But um, I just felt like I needed to add eggs into my diet. That was mm -hmm. the first thing I did. And I just felt more supported, more nourished, and more fulfilled. I mm. needed like more protein, I felt like. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I, I did of course, eat these chips, love them. Then after that, I actually bought beef tallow. Haven't done much with it yet. Yeah. But I want to hear more about it and like what the health benefits are of that mm. and why you chose that to be in the chip. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. Bunch of questions in there. Uh, for a little history lesson, have you, have you ever been to Belgium? No. So Belgium is where French fries were invented. Delicious French fries. You know, everyone's favorite fast yeah. food, junk food thing. French fries in Europe were fried in beef tallow. Okay. Frying foods in Europe was done in beef tallow. Or you, you might go to like a French restaurant or something, you get duck fat fries, duck fat similar to beef fat, you know, same kind of idea. That is the way to fry foods in the original version of that. Seed oils were not invented at this time okay. in like the 1800s or whenever when Belgian French fries came about. So if you are trying to produce a fried food authentically, seed oils are not even, they're not even part of the answer. They didn't even exist when fried foods were invented. And so if you're trying to think about what types of fats you could use for that purpose that are traditional, you have seed oils, which are already a no-go. There's coconut oil, but coconut oil, uh, well, first of all, it comes out like when you fry stuff in coconut oil, it kind of feels greasy. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever done that, eating like uh, banana chips or plantain chips. Uh -huh. They have this greasy feeling to them. 
And they also taste like coconut, which yes. personally, not a big fan of. I've had coconut uh, coconut oil fried tortilla chips before, and they're they're not that good. Another alternative is avocado oil, which is also a relatively novel food because avocados are there to be eaten whole. Avocados are expensive. And so no one wants to squeeze avocados to get the oil out. You'd rather just sell an avocado or eat an avocado. Avocado oil comes from like rotten avocados, <laughs> like the bad avocados that aren't sold at supermarkets. Those get sense. sent to the oil processing plant for avocado oil. And that's the good stuff. Most avocado oil is that plus adulterated mixed in seed oils because a lot of avocado farms are owned by drug cartels and there's this whole corruption thing going on. Oh and so they're, go they're not selling a pure product. Like the supply chains in that industry are a lot sketchier. And there was like, I think USC did some study where they looked at avocado oils on the shelf and tested them and 82% of them were adulterated in some way. Wow. So that's also super sketchy. Um, another option could be olive oil, but if you're, if you know anything about olive oil, you don't want to heat it too yes. hot. And so it's not ideal for deep frying. Yep. And then that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that leaves, well, I guess palm oil, but then you have to deforest rainforest in Indonesia to get palm oil. It's like, that's not, that's not cool. Then the only other options are animal fats and there's tallow, there's lard, which is pig fat, there's duck fat. And of all of them, tallow has the most saturated fat, which makes it the most uh, resilient to heating. And so it's the best suited for high fat or high temperature cooking. That's why we ended up going with beef tallow. It's, it's great. It, it, it answers the, the question of like what fat to fry in on a historical level. It answers it on a sort of environmental level too, because our beef tallow is sourced locally, right? If I were to even source coconut oil or olive oil, it would come from, you know, the Philippines or from Europe. And so that's an issue as well. It also makes the best tasting food too. And then lastly, other oils, like plant oils don't contain a ton of uh, micronutrients. So fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A, vitamins A, D, and K are not really found in coconut oil or olive oil or something. And so in addition to avoiding the bad fats that are in seed oils, you actually get vitamins in beef tallow. There was vitamin A in a masa chip because of the beef tallow. What other, what other fried food has actual fat-soluble vitamins in it, you know? Interesting. And so tallow just happens to, I have this thing where like, a lot of people like to think about the world in terms of trade-offs. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it's bad in this sense, but it's also good in this sense. Yeah. It tastes good, but it's bad for you. Mm -hmm. Or this person's like good looking, but they're not smart. Or that person's smart, but they're like weird. You know, people like this concept of fairness to be applied to the world around them. If something's good, something also must be bad associated with it. But that's actually not true in many, you know, when you look at things in a certain way, you realize that the good stuff is good on many levels. Beef tallow is good on the environmental, the taste, the uh, nutrition level. It all lines up. And seed oils are bad on all of, uh, in the same way. And so tallow just becomes this like perfect answer. And changing it to something else would you know, change one of the variables and make it no longer ideal. Is it from like the milk? What is it actually from? Yeah, so beef tallow like all uh, they're called it's called they're called rendered animal fats so have you ever made bacon well not in the past seven years no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you know like your granny keeps a jar of bacon grease yeah i got it right when you or like if you ever cook ground beef or a steak in a pan uh -huh. the fat comes yeah. out that's tallow okay that's the fat so when you take the the fatty tissue got it um and then you basically heat it 
and the fat comes out of the sort of fibrous, you know, the, the fibrin and whatever else, like the, the structure of the tissue, the fat comes out and it's just pure fat. Mm. And that's what tallow is or duck fat or something. Yeah. So bacon fat is just, it's the same thing, right? But it just comes from bacon. I see. Tallow is that same product, but it comes from beef. Okay. Yeah. It's not, it's not a dairy thing. Got it. Yeah, that yeah. that would be the I guess the ver- the dairy version of this would be ghee. I was just going to say yeah. ghee. Yeah, uh, wow. and you could probably fry stuff in ghee. It would taste. Uh, we've actually thought about this uh, for Monster Chips making a special line of ghee fried I love that. chips. They um, <laughs> it would taste like popcorn, like the buttery. Like yeah, it, it, it would be very good. The only ghee's delicious. It is delicious. The only issue is it's super expensive. Yeah, and so masa is like already the towel is expensive enough yes, as it is. I'm sure. So if we were to use ghee, it would make it really prohibitive. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. But but a special day. line for yeah. the vegetarians, I guess, yeah. not vegans. Yeah, vegetarians. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I've had ghee. I I enjoy ghee. Yeah, ghee is also super yeah. nutrient dense too. That's why yeah. it's yellow. So yeah. that yellow color of ghee is vitamin A. Uh, vitamin A is a very important fat-soluble vitamin. It's basically the skin vitamin, among other yes, things. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah, so you know Accutane. It's almost like retinol. Yeah, it is right? retinol. Yeah. It is actually retinol. Yeah. So Accutane is a synthetic. You're selling me on ghee yeah. right now. I'm going home. Yeah. Go ahead. Making some bullet coffee with ghee in oh, it. Oh, no, it's so good. Yeah, Accutane is this like synthetic retinol that's very toxic. But it's the reason why they sell it is because you can't really patent a molecule that exists in nature. And so... Everyone knows, or dermatologists know, that retinol is the skin vitamin. It's like involved in the like forming the proteins in your skin, mm-hmm. and so acne or eczema or whatever. Most of the time, this is just like a vitamin A deficiency, and so they created a synthetic form of vitamin A, and they give that to patients, and that's all good and fine and well because it like works, but it's also very toxic in the process and can cause like DNA damage and all sorts of weird mutations and stuff. Um, and people have like really serious health problems after getting off Accutane. I remember if anyone was on it, they had to like make sure they didn't drink or like had to take periods of time off of mm. it. I remember. Yeah, it's it's intense people. stuff. Yeah. And that it's very toxic. But guess what? The natural version of that vitamin, vitamin A, is not. Mm. And vitamin A has a yellowy color. And so that's why ghee is yellowy. Butter, like good quality grass-fed butter is yellowy. And even tallow has a yellowy tinge to it. Mm-hmm. And vitamin A in this form, retinol, is almost exclusively found in the fats of animal products, specifically like high-quality animal foods. And beta-carotene, which is what most people think of as vitamin A, is not actually vitamin A. It is orange, so it's in the same color family, but it's a precursor to vitamin A. So if you eat beta-carotene, your body has to transform it into active vitamin A, retinol, and it does that you know, in the presence of fat. So if you eat carrots, you have to eat olive oil with it. And then your body can sort of convert into retinol, but it's kind of like this backup mechanism. It'll, it'll just convert enough beta carotene to retinol to prevent vitamin A deficiency, but it's not enough. You're not going to get extra. And some people can, they're like based on their DNA, some people are better at converting it than others. So you might think, oh, I'm eating vitamin A because I eat these carrots, but your body might not be converting it. Or you might not be eating the appropriate amount of fat along with it to do the conversion. Interesting. And so if you want to consume a proper amount of vitamin A, it's pretty much found in high-quality animal foods. Wow. So interesting. I'm definitely getting back on my ghee game now that we've shared that. Ghee popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. 
So do you have any other, I know you mentioned possibly like doing um, a chip with ghee, but do you have any other plans for other products at this point? Oh yeah. You do? Oh yeah. Can you give us a sneak peek? So well, in terms of flavors of Mazda chips, we have the lime flavor. We're, we're coming out with it this week. Actually, by the time this podcast is published, it'll probably already be out. It's called Cobanero. And so Cobanero is a chili pepper. I think I have that oh, one. You do? Did you try it? Is it the maroon? Yes. Yeah, we love it. Oh, yeah. That's yes. Yes. Yeah, so that, that is coming out. It's like very spicy, very savory. I want to do a churro flavored one. Oh, love that. Sugar and cinnamon. Love. Yeah. And mm. so we, we came out with another, we're, we're, I'm testing new flavors all the time with like my, so my test chef. We have one that tastes like pizza goldfish. Pizza goldfish. It's so good. Oh my gosh. It's what so flavor good. is that? It's like, so, I don't know what it's going to be called yet. This is like, I tried it for the first time, like last week. I didn't even know he was coming up with this. And, and my guy just like gave me a bag and was like, this is so good Fun. and so nostalgic too. Wow. So, so yeah, we have a lot of different flavors and the, the cool thing about all this as far as the flavors are concerned, is that there's no reason why we can't create all those good, like palatable flavor combinations that you're used to in junk food chips. All of these spices are real, yeah. right? We can make them with the highest quality versions of the spices. It's just that like they're expensive and people don't want to do it, so they don't, and they they rely on synthetic flavors instead. But we can make it. We can make all of them with like actual flavors, yeah. you know, from a farm somewhere, wherever. And so, yeah, we have a lot of plans for the uh, for tortilla chips, and then as beyond tortilla chips, you can imagine the center aisle of a grocery store. You know, all the colorful bags, all of these like junky but crunchy, salty, delicious, flavorful snacks. We can make pretty much anything, just with actual ingredients. Yeah, and it just requires a bit of dedication and a bit of experimenting and, and proper sourcing and a very strong commitment to never using anything fake whatsoever, but we can make it. And so I don't want to say more than that, but yeah, we, it's we, incredible. Can, we can do stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's so exciting. I know it's, it's so wild that it's not as available and you have to go to like a health food store or the little market that's more holistic and natural in order mm. to find these things. Typically, yeah. I was talking to my grandpa. He's just a very adorable Italian grandfather who wants me to eat all the things he cooks. And I was asking him, like, what is in this? Like, mm -hmm. tell me. And he's like, oh, it's escarole and beans. He makes this escarole and beans soup and it's delicious. Have you ever had it? No, I don't think so. Oh, I love it. So it's escarole. Um, what is that? It's a leafy green. Oh, okay. Yeah. And a broth, whether it's chicken broth or vegetable broth beans like the cannellini beans the white beans mm -hmm. and then i'm like that's not all like there's something else in this that i taste it what is it and he's like oh it's this little flavor packet and i'm like w show me it what is it and actually we're on the phone at this point so he's reading it to me and he's like it's not it's all natural it only <laughs> has natural flavors oh in God. it and i'm like pop oh, oh but if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, no. And he's telling me it's it's all natural and it's healthy. And I'm like, there are other spices that we could be using mm. instead. That yeah. and it'll make it just as delicious. Yeah, real spices. You know? And and most yeah. of these things aren't like they don't just invent a novel a completely novel flavor. Yeah. Most of the time they're just trying to mimic an actual flavor that people like. Exactly. Just cheaply from a lab, like vanillin, yep. for example. It's like in certain, you know, dessert things and, and whatnot. It's a synthetic version of vanilla bean flavor. And vanilla beans are very expensive. 
like they come from Madagascar and like a few other places and <clears throat> the, the crops are very limited and whatnot. And so instead of doing it the right way, they create this extract of like a certain petroleum byproduct. It's like literally some industrial process that someone figured out happens to taste like vanilla. So scary. And that's the vanilla flavoring in a lot of so things. Scary. But you could just use vanilla, you know, just like pizza goldfish. I'm yeah. sure it's like someone in a lab trying to figure out how to make the cheese and tomatoes yeah. and the herbs. But like we could just use cheese and tomatoes and herbs. <laughs> it's so wild to really think about it, how disconnected we are from where the food comes from. Mm. And I think if a lot of us saw the processes that oh, you'd be terrified. occurred, yeah. I think we would really yeah. <laughs> make different choice and also so this is people don't tend to realize this but all the packaged food that everyone eats there's like maybe a hundred or so factories in the u.s that make all of it and so even though there's thousands of brands they're all getting their products yeah. produced in the same few facilities that have the same equipment have the same processes they bring in the same ingredients and it's all slight variations on the same crappy thing so this is a big challenge for us in making masa chips yeah. because we couldn't go to one of those factories they are they are unable or unwilling to do what we need them yeah. to do in order to make our product. And so we had to make it ourselves. So what do you do? We make it ourselves. Where? In Jersey. Wow. Yeah. How? Take us through the process. <laughs> uh, so we have, uh, you have corn. Then in order to turn it into tortillas, you have to nixtamalize the corn. Nixtamalization, it's like this big word. It's on the back of our bags. It's, it's a fancy term for an ancient Aztec process where you make the corn more digestible. How? So you boil it with uh, limestone, actually, like the rock. So crushed up limestone, you boil it, and that helps dissolve the hard cellulose shell of corn. So if you ever eat corn on the cob and then you go to the bathroom after and then you see yeah. The, yeah. The, the shells, that's your body not digesting corn yeah. correctly. And so the Aztecs figured out a long time ago that if you eat raw corn in this way, not only are you unable to digest it fully, the, there are certain nutrients in the corn itself. I think vitamin B1, I believe, or is it B9? Don't quote me on that. But it's, one, it's either B1 or B9, or maybe it's B3. One of the B vitamins is inactive in corn. So you might you might think, oh, I'm getting B vitamins. Like, no, unless it was nixtamalized, that vitamin is inactive. Mm. And so there are a few other things that this process accomplishes. And by doing it, you, so you boil the corn with limestone, you rinse it off, and then the corn is now more digestible. There are fewer anti-nutrients and the cellulose hard shell that you can't digest has been dissolved. Then you grind it up, then you flatten it out and you bake it and that's tortilla. Wow. That is how tortillas are made. That's not how everyone makes tortillas. There's a lot yeah. of ways of cheating that are pretty terrifying when you think about how they work. But that is how a proper tortilla should be made and that's how our tortillas are made. And then you chop them into triangles, which we do. And then we just deep fry them at, you know, 300 something degrees in uh, grass-fed beef tallow which interestingly enough is a lot lower temperature than most cooking is done. So people think deep frying is this very hot, your yeah. high heat exposure. If you're pan sauteing something on high heat or searing meat or grilling, their temperatures are getting like way beyond 500, close to 700 in some cases. And so it's, it's a really gentle way of heating food actually, uh, you know, contrary to popular belief. So you fry them, uh, salt them, up until recently, it was literally with a salt shaker, like by hand, with like, you know, a salt shaker. Yeah. And then uh, we, we recently got this device that sprinkles salt overhead, kind of like snow, and they nice. go underneath and, you know, they get a nice even coating. And then we bag them and then seal the bags and then that's that's it. 
Wow. Yeah. I love the bags, yeah. by the way. Oh, thank you. The branding is on point. Glad, glad. To I feel it. it's like Miami energy. Like I could see yeah. it at hotels. It, it actually like the, I forget if it's the standard or the fountain blue in Miami that has like a certain, either it's like the walls or the towels there Something. are like the same kind yeah. of pattern. Yeah. Yeah. It was based off of the uh, hotels in the Amalfi Coast. Got it. Like in, in, in Positano and those like so Mediterranean nice. resorts, like the stripes and the umbrellas and the yes. towels. Yeah. It reminds me of vacation. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Where can people find the chips? So most of our customers find us online. Yeah. Mazchips.com. But we are in about, I'd say, 200 sort of health food stores. Oh, that's like so all exciting. over the place. And Erewhon and Bristol Farms in Southern California are like our biggest kind of normal like chain grocery stores that's so exciting yeah nexus whole foods if you're manifesting them, oh yeah if you wish to. well we have yeah. to make more chips yeah yeah no we've talked to them and we're like we don't have enough to be able to sell to Got you it. yet yeah so yeah no i mean very very down to being whole foods that's uh, awesome costco eventually Amazing. giant giant beach bags giant masa. yeah Wow, I could see it and feel yeah. it right now in my mind yeah how is that process of like reaching out so we've been very fortunate. Erwan reached out to us within about nice. two months of us launching. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah. So that process was pretty seamless. And a lot of, like, we don't really do sales. Yeah. A lot of the stores that carry us just kind of come to us. They found us on the internet or Are whatnot. Are either of you a projector by any chance in human design? Do you know what that is? No, I don't know what that is. Okay. No. Human design. I talk about it on literally every podcast, but it's basically... It's kind of like your astrology. You could relate it to like mm. how you have these characteristics or traits just from being born under specific sky. Okay. But um, human design is similar to that. And the reason why I bring up projector is because you're supposed to, as a projector, it's like invitation mm. always. Like oh, you I have see. to wait for the invitation yeah, and yeah. it like comes to you and yeah. you draw the experience. It's so in. much easier to do it that way. Yeah. Right? Like, so there's a, another, I guess, another way of saying this in the, in the business way that, that I like to talk about it is the best sales is marketing and the best marketing is your product. Like you don't want to have to do sales. You don't yeah. want to be cold calling people, yeah. right? Like that's fighting, like swimming upstream. Totally. Basically. So then you got to go do marketing. But even then it's like the same kind of process. Cause like you're getting Facebook ads and it's like, you're trying really hard to sell people the stuff that they don't need or they don't want. Yeah. And so you have to resort to all these like weird tricks and like discount now, 50% off black Friday, cyber Monday, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But like my that's, whole phone right now. Yeah, your whole phone right now. This and, weekend, and that's like, like also swimming upstream. Yeah. And then if your product is good, people just want it. And and that's, I think, the, the best so way to go true. about it. So true. Oh, my gosh. This has been amazing. I'm so happy that we connected. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that I found these chips. We, My house is obsessed with them. Great. Like, we're, I can't wait to go here. home having it with my soup tonight, have it with salads, have it with bowls, have it with, like, fresh pico de gallo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is the best. Yeah, my favorite. My favorite is with cheese, making nachos. Like melted cheese. Yeah, like yeah. And then they get warmed up, and so because obviously I'm at the factory and I like eat them yeah. when they're fresh out. And, oh, and they're, they're jealous. Warm. But when you put them in the oven and you put cheese on them, you can't you can't make nachos in the microwave. That is yeah not allowed. Anyone listening to this, don't do it. But if you put them in the oven. Uh, you can broil them. That's the best way to do it. Okay. So you sprinkle the cheese and then you put it right under the broiler. Then they taste just like when they're fresh. Wow. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, I can't wait. We'll definitely yeah. be doing that. 
Thank you so much. Where could everyone find you and your products? So masachips.com, M-A-S-A-C-H-I-P-S.com for Masa. Uh, for me, I'm really tan man on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. Um, and that's about it. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks for all that you're doing in the world too. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Glad to hear it. Thank Thanks. you. Hello, guys. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. We went deep on just how more healthy foods should be available to more people. And I know healthy means something different for everyone. Being a former vegan, it is actually hard to think about eating beef tallow or eating animal products and it's something that I'm still growing and evolving into or out of depending on the day. But um, it's just, I think the broader conversation was really about how we all have access to cleaner foods and we should have access to cleaner foods. And I appreciated Stephen sharing his opinion and his perspective on a lot of things that he believes in with us. And I'm just so grateful for the open minded community we have to come and have these conversations, hear someone else's perspective, hear about the product that they're creating, what guided them, their journey, and taking a taste of it if it feels good to us and if we feel aligned and guided to it. So if you are guided to trying the chips, you can check out Masa Chips. Um, we do. We think they're absolutely delicious and we really hope that you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to see you next time. 